Hello, fellow friends, family degenerates, and welcome to another edition of Caged Wisdom MMA. My name is Josh, and I am your co-host along with Buck over at MMA Nerd. Buck, give a quick shout out. Hey, everybody. This is one of my like most highly anticipated cards. I can't wait to dig into this with you. If you're not excited, well, then you don't have a pulse. So UFC 287 coming up this Saturday. There is a lot of really good fights on that. Before we're going to get into the fights, we're going to do a full breakdown on each one of them. Also give you our picks, how we think things are going to shape up. And then maybe a, a little bit about the, the next card. We're not sure if we have time. Uh, so a couple things. We like to talk about current events, what's going on in the UFC. Uh, one of the things that came, popped up on my radar earlier this week was that the UFC is now merging with the WWE. Can you tell us a little about that, Buck? Yeah, this is pretty crazy. I, I didn't know this was happening because I don't follow like professional wrestling. But At all. Endeavor, <laughs> which is the parent company that bought the UFC, that's who Dana and the Fertitta sold it to back in 2016 or something like that. Uh, they okay. just bought the UF or the M, uh, the MMA. They just bought WWE and they're going to merge them into one business in Endeavor. So they're both going to stay like outwardly the same. Dana's still going to run one. Vince McMahon is coming back and he's going to run the other. Um, but I guess they're going to be like functionally under the same brand, like uh, ESPN and Disney, I guess. Do you think that's going to allow the talent to cross over like we've been seeing with the UFC and the WWE over the last like five or six years? Well, yeah, they already talked about it a little bit. I know Conor McGregor was saying that he wants to go be, you know, the intercontinental champion, yeah. whatever. But like, um, you know, maybe I know um, the owner of American Top Team. His name is Dan Lambert in Florida. He is a huge yeah. wrestling fan. And I think he works with AEW, uh, which is like one of the smaller promotions. And I just saw clips of this because I I don't know where to find it, actually. But he brought a lot of ATT fighters. So he had Paige Van Zant, Austin Vanderford, uh, Mr. Van Zant, Jorge Masvidal, and somebody else. Um, oh, it might have been Junior Dos Santos. He had a bunch of them like come to like a an AEW show and they jumped in the ring and they beat up some, you know, some bad guys or whatever. So I, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in it from the UFC side. And I think those fighters would appreciate, you know, jumping in the ring and making a couple bucks without having to do a weight cut. You think you think it hurts the credibility of the fighters if they transfer over to the WWE and kind of moonlight over there? Yeah, well, you know, I think it, I mean, it. It hurt Brock Lesnar's credit until he did just yeah. fine, you know. Yeah, um, he's he's a little bit of an anomaly. That's though, for sure. He started out, and he's he's got the, the the mouthpiece for it too. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, I don't know like what direction it's gonna go. Most like, are we gonna get more wrestlers coming into MMA because there's a, a history of that? Mm, uh, Lesnar, Lashley, Dave Batista did a couple of fights. Uh, CM Punk. Obviously, yeah, different promotion. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, I mean that that, that the credit the the ability to cross over to the UFC is obviously a, a much bigger delta to overcome than the UFC talent going over the WWE. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for like just, one-offs. I just don't want it to mix too much because I, it turns it too much of a sideshow. And then if you have some of that that build up that overlaps, it, and it, we already know that it does. Mm-hmm. You know, you had told me some stories before the call that you can get into uh, if you want, but you know, with like Chael Sonnen and. Uh, there's a myriad of them now mm-hmm. 
that are able to build up these fights by having those type of antics. So I'm just curious as if that's going to be more promoted inside the organization now that they are basically partnering in a way. I know that they're not, but yeah, I wonder if like same umbrella. I wonder if WWE has like talent development teams to like build ring presence. Like, oh, they do. Oh. Have you ever seen those? I, yeah, yeah, they've got like a an amateur league, and you know that's that's all part of it. Because if you don't have delts, ain't gonna get you there. Mm-hmm. You gotta have <laughs> you gotta have a way to build the storyline a little bit. So yeah, so I wonder if they're gonna ship some like marketable UFC fighters. One who we're gonna get into uh, next. Um, people that are just like strapped to a rocket going to the moon, you know, if they like give them little meetings, like how to be on stage, how to, you know, trash talk, how to hold an audience's attention. I think it has to be the case because every 24 hour fitness would be hosting these WWE events if it wasn't the case. Right. That's for sure. (laughs) And also, uh, you know, the comms up fight that's coming up. We're not coming up yet. So there's some speculation that he's going to fight. Um, what's his name? He's Paulo Costa. Yeah, Paulo Costa. Man. Could you imagine? That'd be fun. 185? That'd be real fun. Yeah, like Costa's going to make 185 for that. He'll just decide that it's a light heavyweight fight again. What if he does? I mean, you know, Kamza, that's a a big gap to overcome at a top-tier level. Do you think Kamza struggles with him? I do. I do. I don't think think I've ever seen anybody hold Paulo down. Nope. Vittori didn't. Romero didn't. I mean, let, let's be honest. Kamzat's a different beast, right? And and he's got the look yeah. of someone that's going to hold a belt at some point. Yeah, he sure does. But he also can make 170, you know, on a good day. And Paulo Costa's not even going to sniff 170. Like, he's a yeah, big Let's be honest, though. Him against uh, uh, Adesanya or Pereira, mm-hmm. I think I think Kamzat takes that. Nine times out of ten. Pereira, definitely. Guys. Pereira, definitely. Yeah, yeah, maybe even Izzy. I think Izzy, too. But then he's got to go through that gauntlet to get there. And I'm not sure that Paul Acosta is the one that he wants to be taken off just because, you know, he's pretty good at everything and he's going to be a hard guy for him to take down and get him in the wheelhouse. So I think the biggest problem with Hamzat at 185, and I, I like him, and I, I, I genuinely do like Hamzat. I forgave him for the for this last fight and all that. You know, I moved on. I think welterweight's his best chance because I, as good as Kamzat is, I don't see him getting past Robert Whitaker. That's fair. I, I think Bobby Knuckles difference. takes him out, um, shuts down his wrestling, really? pieces him up from the outside. I don't think, yeah, I think Bobby Knuckles is too much. Okay. Well, all right. Without further ado, let's let's get into the fights. Let's get into so some fights you're right. that are actually happening. Yeah. So UFC 287, it's got some really good name brand recognition fights on there, which is something uh, I haven't been able to say for at least uh, the third, fourth, and fifth fights in the main card for the last couple. Uh, so we're starting out with Raul Rosas, who's minus 230, taking on Christian Rodriguez, plus 190. I'm going to give everyone the odds just so you have, a, a I guess, a, a, a pin or a, a reference point as to who's favored and why. Uh, Kevin Holland, minus 260, taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio. We talked about earlier, three years ago, amazing fight. Adrian Yanez, minus 180. Rob Font, plus 155. And then we get into the co-main event. In the main event, Gilbert Burns is minus 500, taking on Jorge Gamebred Masvidal at plus 380. And then finally, the one that we all know about, Israel Adesanya, minus 140, 
is taking on Alex Pereira at plus 120. So, Rollo Rosas Jr., I should have added, uh, he's a really interesting prospect. As you know, we've heard a lot about him. He's, he's been making waves. Everyone thinks that, so, you know, Chris Curtis especially thinks that he's maybe a little bit too early to be on a main card and get this kind of publicity. I think the guy's got, you know, I think he's got uh, uh, a lot of panache. I think he's got a lot of talent. And he looks like something's going to be a real problem at the top of the level. So why don't you kick us off with that one? Well, you're, and the panache and the style and stuff is right, too. Like, in the cage, like, on the mic, he was, like, he really had, like, really good infectious energy uh, after his mm-hmm. first win uh, in his last fight, um, his debut in the company. And, boy, he just smashed the guy. Uh, Jay Perrin, who um, I don't have a ton of knowledge about, he's kind of brought in there as a jobber for Rosas to run through and man, he did it. Uh, He, I mean, he's just incredible wrestling. He's so fast in those scrambles, pursues the back so quickly. Um, Really is like, how old is he right now? He's 18. He made his, he made his contender series debut at 17 and his parents had to sign a permission slip so he could fight. That That's unbelievable. (laughs) Just insane. Don't you think, don't you think Christian Rodriguez is in, in a similar aspect for all this? He's really being brought in to, yeah. to build up the Raul Roses. Yeah, sorry. Brand. Sorry, C Rod. You're there to you're there yeah. to get choked out in one round. It's a bummer. Um you know but that, I still think the UFC is doing it right this time. I you know, I was gonna talk to you about that because you know, we were just talking about how this merge with the WWE is gonna be like is it going to bring on more promotion? Is it going to bring on more like characters? Is it going to focus on storylines? You know, like, is there going to be some bleed over? Maybe not in the actual athletes, but in like the, the presentation. And yeah. I think of the athletes too, because it's been working. Yeah, that's true. But like Raul Rosas Jr. is seven and oh, he's on the main card of a pay-per-view in his second fight in the promotion. And um, I, I we were talking about a Chris Curtis uh, story earlier today, where you know, and I think he retracted the statement since then. But he he came out and said like I'm salty as fuck that it's impossible to retract the statement. Yeah, he yeah he <laughs> says I'm salty as fuck that you know I've worked so hard and I've been in the game for so long and I'm such a veteran and this kid with seven fights is on the main card ahead of me. Uh, and then you know somebody reached out and they're like. Why do you hate this kid so much? And he's like, oh, I don't hate this kid. You know, whatever. I'm just mad. But, like, he makes a good point. Like, there's a, there's always been, like, people that get, like Tony Ferguson said, Dana White privilege. Like, people who get the push. Like, there's somebody in the brass, the upper management of the UFC, decides that this person is something, and they give them, like, a genuine push. Uh, and and they give them favorable matchups, and they give them a lot of media attention, and they do all these things. I, I is that gonna? I know that's grown in the last couple of years, and it's grown because they're trying to make a new Conor McGregor. But like, is that gonna? Are they gonna double Conor down McGregor, on that? You think? Like Colby Covington, yeah, Chael Sonnen, well, uh, Triple C. Ch- I think I think. Chael Sonnen and those guys, they built it themselves. But there's like – because they're trash talkers. But I think like the promotional push from the company, I would say like Sean O'Malley got it. um, Darren Till got it. 
Bo Nickel. Yeah, Bo Nickel. Oh, yeah, exactly. Bo Nickel's getting it Bo right Nickel's now. Really, Bo Nickel's really a case in point of what they're exactly doing with Royal Roses. Right yeah, now. they're just going to give him... They're going to give him a solid opportunity in front of a lot of fans. And I don't want to, I don't want to go on a tangent here at all, but you know, I collect a lot of UFC cards. I actually have my own little side store that I do and they do something called uh, uh, Panini now or whatever it's called. I don't ever do it because they suck, but where it's like the, the brand new player that's not part of the set Uh where they, they kick out a card on him and his, his card values are just absolutely through the roof. This is Bo Nickel. Bo Nickels are. Man. Yeah, and it's because of all that. I mean, if you would have asked any of these guys six months ago who Bo Nichols was, if they weren't a big collegiate wrestling fan, they would have had no idea. But because the UFC put him on stage, now he's getting a lot more credibility in the in the sports card market, the memorabilia market, because people are getting excited about this guy. And that's exactly what's going to happen with Raul Rosas. As long as he's able to, and I guess case in point, you know, you talk about him, and I said it initially, him having panache. He's good on the mic. Yeah. And if you're good on the mic, you get opportunities because this business is really more about just kicking ass if you look at it objectively. Is that right? fair? The biggest pay-per-view events. No, it's not fair, but it's the same thing with uh, uh, you know women's MMA or women's sports in general and attractiveness. Yeah. It's not fair. It's not fair at all, but to say that it doesn't exist is is ignoring a, a factual thing. You gotta you gotta you gotta admit that it's the way that it is, because otherwise yeah, you, you, you know game. if you ignore it, it's just gonna happen without you. I guess. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Sort of a so downer do you, look on who that. Who do you see? It, it, well, it kind of is, but it, it's also interesting the way that the UFC is identifying talent early on and mm-hmm. not just doing everything through sheer talent or wins and losses. Mm-hmm. You know, they've kind of gotten tired of the just the the wrestler that's coming by decision yeah and now they're trying to promote the people that can do a little bit of both a little bit of everything and i think that's going to end up at the end of the day i think it's going to be better for the sport you know because it's not very good for the ufc when you have wrestlers that are just taking people down dragging them down and holding them down for for 15 minutes right yeah i mean as a, as, as a viewer even as an mma fan i'd rather see someone that can do everything yeah, I'll admit I didn't watch any of Kamaru Usman's fights like until he became no. champ. <laughs> like until he was fighting Woodley, yeah. I was like, "All right, exactly. I'll wait. I don't need to see him lay on RDA for fifteen minutes." I forget the guy's name got cut a couple years ago, but he had only lost like one fight in the UFC, and he was on like a ten fight winning streak, and they cut him because he was unwatched. Was it John Fitch? No, no, it wasn't John Fitch. It was um, it was a heavyweight. Oh. I'd have to look him up. Yeah. You know, so, hey, I don't remember his name, right? Yeah. So yeah, there you go. Tells you yeah, where yeah, at. yeah. Yeah. But anyway, back to Raul Rosas Jr. versus Christian Rodriguez. Uh, you know, the odds are relatively close, maybe not for a second fight in the UFC, minus 230, plus 190 as a reference point. You know, what do you, what do you see happening in that fight? Um, plus 190 is. I mean, generous. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, it's generous. He's not gonna win. Um, no, he's he's not gonna win. Um, yeah, like I I watched his last fight against uh, Joshua Weems, who I don't even think is in the UFC anymore. Um, he got taken down pretty easily, and and he does a lot of like spinning shit, and and, and oh, I think God. yeah, I think if you all of Valentina Shevchenko, well, yeah, you know what? Pretty much, like if you throw a spinning back fist in round one against Raul Rosas Jr., he's gonna 
double leg the shit out of you and you're gonna deserve it is all i can say grab your back yeah yeah like those uh, step in they're bantamweights right i mean you're just they're so fast on the ground and even amongst these super fast guys on the ground rosas is faster i mean he's and he's still got so much time if they keep feeding him cans like this even at a slow pace like give him three years that's crazy. He's 21 and he could be fighting for a belt. Like, I don't think they'll give him cans for three years. I, I think everyone's got a shelf life in this industry that you want to see him going against town and they get forgotten. So he's going to have to keep going. Maybe. Uh, but I mean, him him getting a shot at at the at the main card this early on mm-hmm. suggests to me that he's two wins away from a top 15 guy. Man, that'd be crazy. Which I think. The the youngest champion is still John Jones at twenty three. He was what 20, 23? Yeah, that's. Crazy. I think it's early to be talking championship with him. Well, that's but my. He does have that. He's got the look though, doesn't he? I mean, he, early it's okay because he's got five years before he's twenty three. Like he yeah. he could have a whole up and down career like. I don't even was Justin Gaethje in the UFC like five years ago, maybe six, 2016, 2016. Okay. Yeah. So seven years. That's, I mean, Justin Gaethje has been around forever. He's gotten two title shots since then. Yeah. I mean, five years is a long time to be in the UFC. And, uh, that Gaethje fight was good. Wasn't it? I don't want to. Wow. I I don't want to get distracted. I'll get distracted by Justin Gaethje all day. And, and that just sets him up. Sorry, Raul. Uh, Gaethje and Dustin Poirier to give me that all day, all day, and give me five rounds. Yeah, give that to me in a five round fight. You, if you did the what BMF belt, you did the BMF. They've all been yeah. talking about it. You just make a violence weight belt and you have them go five rounds. You know what? I mean, sometimes they can put it in their contract five rounds, but that that's every main event. That's too good of a fight. Every main event is five rounds, and they could totally headline yeah. a pay per view with that. Really? You think so? No title? Yeah. I don't give a shit about it. I mean, like, what's a title? I could see this being a I could see this being a co main event under a big title name. With yeah, five it would have five. to be like a John Jones title. It'd have to be like Jones Stipe for this to be a co main event. That's like end of the year. Yeah. End of the year fight. Something that's huge. All right. So can we just all agree uh Rollo Rosas Jr. is gonna win this fight? Sorry, Chris Rodriguez. You're just Yeah. Okay. So all right, the next fight. One of my all-time favorite fighters, not necessarily because of his skills, but because of his his personality, is Kevin Holland, minus two sixty, is taking on Santiago Ponzinibbio, who's plus two ten. What are your thoughts on that fight? Uh, this one is going to be really, really fun. Um, Ponzinibbio is back um, after like a two-year hiatus. He he's had like two or three fights or something like that, maybe more. Three, I think. Oh. Oh, actually. I think so. Two and three. Oh, no. It, so he's had five. Holy cow. He's been around. Is it really? Yeah. Okay. Wouldn't you know? Um, and in, and he hasn't, like, won them all. He's actually got a losing record since coming back. But, man, every, like, those have been, like, barn burners. When he fought, like, Miguel Baeza, that was, like, blood and guts. I mean, he's had a couple of really, really fun fights. Um, he's getting up there. Uh, age wise, but you know he's he's never been like a super like mobile. How, how old is he right now? I, he's 30... in his thirty six. Yeah, something like that. 
Yeah. Okay. Um, and at lighter weights, you know, like welterweight, forty. I don't think I've seen a forty-year-old welterweight. No. Um. No. Wait, how old is RDA? Thirty-nine, probably. Um. He might be forty now. I I don't know. <laughs> But uh, but so but Ponzinibbio's style has always been a little bit more boxing centric, so he's been able to maintain it um, a little bit more. And God, I mean, he's technical. He's really smart too. I mean, he's got great fight IQ. He is part of the Spanish language broadcast team for the UFC. Him and Brandon Moreno. So I mean, he's got like good analytical skills. He's got um, you know a really great eye for the sport, um, and that's really important, especially when you're. You know, and you know, a veteran of the game like he is. Um, the, it, it's interesting because he's taking on Kevin Holland, yeah, who is almost exactly the opposite. <laughs> well, yeah, but Kevin Holland is a yeah. really intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. He's really, but he he, you know, back to the WWE analogy that we were doing earlier. Uh, he 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 panders to the fans. Sure does. And he always has. Sure does. And and he's okay with a loss as long as the viewing experience was a win, which is an interesting thing because I had him pegged as a potential title holder when he was on that unbeaten streak, and you know he, he uh, when he went he five and zero, yeah, five and zero, uh, and then you know he got out wrestled, and I was like, okay, that's a pretty big gap in his execution there. And then the way he was joking around about it didn't seem to care. They got like uber serious, which you knew wasn't really part of his personality. Yeah, and that didn't work for him. He lost again. And they bought, uh, fought Cowboy Oliveira, which was a really good fight. Man, you can tell in the beginning, like he looked good the second round mm-hmm. against Oliveira, not the first round. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and that was he his almost, debut he was, he welterweight, got choked right? Out. That's yeah, pretty he big. Got choked out. That he went back down. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it was, but we were all expecting him to somewhat steamroll him. Yeah. Uh, but you know, Ponzinibbio, I agree with everything you said. Ponzinibbio is a really, really good tactician. He's got hard strikes. He's got good submissions, yada, yada, yada. Uh, but he's getting a little bit older, and I've definitely seen a downtrend in his trajectory since he's come back, especially with this gas tank. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like he gets really tired towards the end of the fight. Yeah. I think he had long COVID, too. Long, which, co- long hauler? Long COVID. COVID. Yeah. How so retro it, is that? Uh, just like a, a long-term detriment to your respiratory system because he had because of Instead his of comms out. did he really uh well then yeah. yeah big time well i guess you can, can grow out of it the hospital yeah you're all grown up so what do you what do you think about this fight i think um so i, I think for ponzinibbio to have success in a striking battle he really needs to establish his jab uh and he builds off his jab really really well but that's what, he's, that's what his goal is at the beginning of that first round, and he needs to start making connections with that, um, using it as a range finder, using it to set up other shots, using it to, like, kind of, like, stiff arm through combinations and kind of, like, disrupt his opponent. He really likes his jab and, and is very reliant on it, and Kevin Holland is a hard dude to just jab up because he is mobile. He's so unorthodox. They... um. He's billed as a kung fu fighter, and, like, that one is real. Like, you know, like, a lot of the times you'll get people that they give him, like, like Dustin Poirier, I think when they announce him, he's, like, a pit fighter, whatever that is. Uh, Yeah, it makes sense, though. Or a thug jitsu fighter or something. But but Kevin Holland, when they say he's a kung fu fighter, I totally believe that. That guy moves 
very, very unique. I really like it. He's got his hands down, but like he rolls with punches super well. He's always see he's always seeing strikes come. He punches from weird angles. He you know he uses he uses his footwork really well to get in and get out. I mean, he is a really hard guy to build a traditional game against, like, you know, a jab-focused game, um, boxing game like Santiago. So yeah. Kevin Kevin Holland always seems to, unless it's a wrestler, mm-hmm. uh, either win or lose emphatically. Have you <laughs> noticed that? Yeah. So the idea of, like, having a game plan to get through three rounds against him uh-huh. doesn't seem like that's something that's going to be very effective. You're either going to catch him coming in, out-wrestle him, or you're going to lose. Well, I haven't, like... Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of who Kevin Holland has lost to. And his last one was to Wonder Boy, and that was a striking battle. Um, but that was I'm a striking not. battle only because Kevin Holland refused to engage on the ground. Like, he took him down once and knocked him down once, I think, and stood back up because he, just like you were saying, he wanted to, like, give it to the fans. But all of his other losses, um, Derek Brunson, Marvin Vittori, his debut he lost against... Um, Tiago Santos, of all people, at middleweight. Like, all of those, he just got, like, held down by, like, a bigger, stronger guy who had better wrestling. Um, And I just don't see that as a big threat. A threat from Santiago. Like, I'm sure he's a very competent, capable grappler, but that's not his game. And. Well, so is is Holland, though. Yeah. And I think. Maybe not in regards to takedown defense. Holland is even more willing. Holland is more willing, I think, to go to the ground than Ponzinibbio is. Um, so if, you know, you might even see yeah. Holland win this, you know, with a submission after, you know, piecing him up fight on the off feet. His back really, really well, too. Yeah. Sub attempts, leaping, twisting punches, whatever that was against Jacare. Yeah, the athleticism is, is there's a, I think there's a big gap, you know, age, athleticism, mm-hmm. uh, movement, and, and, you know, between him and, and Ponzinibbio. I think Kevin Holland's going to take this fight. I don't think it's going to be easy. I think he's going to have to eat some shots. The only caveat to all that is if he starts doing a bunch of showmanship. If if that kicks in, we don't know what the hell is going to happen. If he starts trying to cater, you know, if he if mm-hmm. if he starts getting what they call the boo birds, people yeah. start booing him like he starts to throw in a different yeah. style and he's hit back. People start booing him. He's just going to go buck wild. And he's either going <laughs> to win in that round. He's going to lose in that round. <laughs> Almost guaranteed. Uh, even so, yes. I think I'm 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 confidently picking Kevin Holland. I am too. I am too. It's going to be a really good fight, though. They're both going to get touched up. I I I'm pretty sure. Um, but Kevin Holland, explosive. Kevin Holland has an unreal chin. Like his last fight against Wonder Boy. His last fight against Wonder Boy. Stephen Thompson hit him with some of the hardest shots I'd ever seen him th- like him throw, and. I, yeah, he broke Holland's arm when he blocked it wrong. Like, he was whipping those shins at him, and uh, Kevin never went down. Or never uh, – he didn't get, like, knocked down. Man, yeah. crazy. Hey, by by the way, yeah. not to keep going back to this, but Wonderboy Thompson, yeah. one of the most watchable fighters in the UFC from a sheer skill set. What a guy. But not a household name because he's, he's too nice. Yeah. Yeah, There's but no he's got the MMF belt. Him. You know, that's his brand, man. Yeah, he can't. Yeah, but I mean, I think 
he's case in point. Like most people that are not big followers of the sport are not going to know who he is. Yeah. And it's because he doesn't get the media attention because he's always such a nice guy. You might if your kid goes to his karate class. We definitely like him because we're karate cast. He's the exact kind of person I would want teaching my kid karate. Yeah. Just like a like a wholesome, nice guy. And he's 40. Swear. Oh, yeah. Look, there's a welterweight who's almost 40. I think he's 39, too. Yeah. I mean, he's been getting gray quite a bit lately. What he's a wonder man. Huh? Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Adrian Yanez, minus 180. Rob Font, plus 155. Take it away. Um, dude, this one I'm excited about. Um, Yanez is a blast. Um, undefeated so far. And, and and so, like, an incredible striker, but, like, not in, like, a flashy way. Like, it's flashy because it looks so good, but the, it's it's all fundamentals. Like, he's, like, when Connor was a flashy striker at 145, he was doing these, like, bolo uppercuts and these you know spinning heel kicks and all these crazy wild movement things and Giannis just has like beautiful boxing it's so satisfying to watch the way he puts like puts combos on people moves and you know rolls his head out of danger stays in the pocket touches people up um and really puts people out too like he's got some like walk-off KOs a couple of them uh, great. I mean, I am all aboard. It's Adrian Tony Young. Kelly. Yeah. Uh, whooped Tony Kelly. Randy Costa. That was a great uh, one. Gustavo Lopez. Mm-hmm. Pieced up Davy Grant. Um, didn't knock him out, but uh, just a decision. Yep. Yeah. It, it's you know, it's the god. The judging is so fucked up now. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Anyway, we won't we won't go down that one. Uh, I agree with you. I think Rob Font brings a series of challenges though you know you we were talking a little bit earlier before the call and you know you you said something that i wasn't really able to articulate i don't really know or you said you didn't really know what his style was yeah you know he reminds me a lot of hmm. he reminds me a lot of uh dan ige so yeah that's really really good but there's not one thing about them you can identify other than the fact that they're really good and they're going to win more times than they lose and they're going to be a tough out for anyone in the top 15 but what do they do that's really, really good? Uh, yeah, yeah, Rob. He, I, he, <laughs> you know, he fights behind his jab. He's got, he, you know, he's got some good right? combos. Um, you know, he's actually, he's it's got hard. the same. It's like a truck. Yeah, he's got the same combo. I'm going to talk about this um, in the main event. Um, this, like, double jab, staggered step in overhand right. Um, he... Landed that a couple of times uh, against Cody Garbrandt, um, and he throws it pretty regularly. So he'll like jab, jab, leave the hand uh, out, kind of in front of his opponent's face, kind of in their eyes, tap like tap their lead hand with it, just kind of like make a nuisance of his lead hand, and then behind that steps in with a um, a big cross. Uh, and and really land some good time, um, some good damage on that, and he times it so the first like two or three will be close, and they kind of like dial in as the fight goes on. He lands it more effectively, and Izzy hit um, Pereira with that uh, in this at the end of the second round of their first fight, like the big 
blow that rocked Barrera at the end of the second round. That's what exactly what he did. Is he stepped in, double jab, left that hand right up in Alex's face, kind of like a little pause, and then lands the right hand over the top. Um, and Yon- and Font does that pretty well, but like you know, if he has to do it a couple of times to get the timing down, is he gonna get it down before Yanez does? Because Adrian Yanez's hands are lightning quick, and uh, man, uh, he's he's gonna. Have I'm to looking really at his record right now. Out. I I don't think he's ever been knocked out. Yeah. So you you uh, you got a decision loss against uh, Mosar Evoev, mm-hmm. uh, Josh Emmett, uh, Calvin Qatar. So so I mean, to not get knocked out by chin. those guys, to not get knocked yeah. out by Josh Emmett and Calvin Cater and and Cheeto Vera, frankly, like those are yeah, and he also be uh, Edson Barboza. Okay, I mean, yeah, so, he's got I a mean, chin. Obviously, he's got a chin. Yeah, so he's a Division three wrestler, so he's got some grappling. He's got a good mm-hmm. chin on him. He's got really good power, but again, what does he do so well? Because I think his con- he gets hit a lot too. Yeah, you know, is one of the strikes I see against him. Mm-hmm. And if he gets connected enough, then he's gonna he's gonna end up losing a decision, which is what I think is gonna end up happening in this fight. I think I think the most impactful moments here are going to be uh, what I saw Rob Font do against Cody Garbrandt was overcommit on a couple of big swings like in at the end of combos and have his weight like out of position and Cody Garbrandt uh took him down so easy and I know Garbrandt is like a wrestler um from high school and like as a you know has his foundations as a wrestler but Cody got him off his feet over and over and over again at the end of those combos Rob Font's weight was out of position and Cody just hit his hit his hips and took him right down and I don't think Giannis is going to, sh- like, shoot like that. But he's definitely going to take advantage of missed big swings. Like, if 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 Rob Fond is getting in a striking exchange and tries to get, like, a big hay- haymaker off and Giannis rolls out of the way and Fonts off balance, I yeah. think Giannis is really going to make him way, pay for that. Before we go any further, I have to apologize. I was looking at Dan Ige's record. When I was saying those things, <laughs> that's that's so. so funny. I, I, I listened to about Dan I just I listened and I to it. I was like, wait a second. That's so funny. Yeah, I was looking up when I was looking up Rob Font. I was like, man, didn't he lose to Korean Zombie? I should go watch that fight. And I kept typing in Rob Font versus Korean Zombie. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It was Dan Ige. Yeah, I, yeah, I kept typing in Dan Ige. So everything <laughs> I said for like two minutes is completely irrelevant. And for that, I apologize. Dude, I, I, I just pulled it up on. <laughs> I listened to you. I was like, oh yeah. Josh Emmett, for sure. Yeah. I don't care that those guys are not in the same weight class. Oh, Calvin Cater. He trains with Calvin Cater. Oh, come on, dude. <laughs> why, did, why didn't you stop me a little bit earlier? I just went that? right along with it. Oh, you sounded really convincing, man. <laughs> I, I, I convinced myself. <laughs> I think I, that, see, see how interchangeable those two guys are? I pulled up the wrong record. I was like, none of these make sense to me right now, but I see it's in front of me. So that's a little bit embarrassing. Oh, well. You know what? We'll, Sorry, we'll Dan. We'll uh, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, me. <laughs> See, when you guys got a bigger personality, maybe this wouldn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why don't you guys be more like our good friend, Michael Chandler? Yeah. Or Kevin Holland. Yeah. Know, play to the crowd. Figure that out. All right. Well, 
Okay, so like I said, as a placeholder, Adrian Giannis is minus one eighty. Rob Font plus one five five. Who do you think on that? I think you're right. Uh, Giannis by decision. I do too. That's what I said. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you agree with me. <laughs> Smart guy. Very convincing. Well, I just said I agreed with myself. Doesn't make sense either. <laughs> All right. All right. Let, let's forget that one ever happened. Uh, so now we're going to talk about Gilbert Burns, who's minus 500 versus Jorge Masvidal, plus 380. Kick us off. Uh, I have no trouble forgetting about whatever we were talking about because I <laughs> love watching Gilbert Burns throw down. Uh, I do too. He's a blast. And, and I mean, he swings so hard and he's got such dynamite it's so fun to watch him knock people out but like his grappling is so good i think i have it here he was uh ibjjf gi and no gi world champion and he won adcc uh in his weight class i think in 2015 and he was already in the ufc and so i don't know like how many active UFC fighters are winning grappling competitions. Like Damian Maya has a bunch of gold medals, but I don't know how many of them were like, while he was actively in the UFC. Um, And so for Gilbert to be doing both is crazy. He's so good at, um, you know, he's got a whole uh, submission uh, instructional on BJJ fanatics that I was looking at today. And it's, it's sitting in my cart and I'm just staring at it longingly. <laughs> I'm so I'm so interested. I want to know the secrets. Because I, I, I read a little article um by Jack Slack. He is a fight analyst or um hobbyist or a you know, a fight a student of the game and he produces his own podcast. Um and he did a little piece on the arm triangle that Gilbert Burns used in his last fight against Neil Magny, which amazing got Neil Magny out of there and won took Shavkat Rachmanov almost 10 minutes to do it and Burns got him out of there in like three or something like that mm-hmm. um I mean he's just got like a wicked arm triangle and he's using his butterfly hooks like from the top like in a very um like new way where instead of um for those of you who don't know, an arm triangle is a submission that you do on the ground where you're holding your opponent's head, like arm oh, into their neck. So hard to yeah, describe that my, jujitsu. That was my go-to. Yeah. yeah. It's so hard to describe jujitsu verbally. <laughs> um, yeah. But traditionally, once you've got the, the arm, the, you know, everything locked up, you like dismount and get to the side of them and like lay your body all the way down onto the floor to create the most pressure you can. But we're still talking about jujitsu. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, man, you know, t- transferable skills. And so for for this last fight, Burns didn't get out of half guard. He like stayed in Neil Magny's half guard um, so that he could use his leg that was trapped as like an anchor to hold Magny down uh, and stop him from escaping in either direction. So there's just like new and interesting ways that Gilbert Burns is 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 evolving his own jiu-jitsu game even at the height of his his mixed martial arts yeah. career. He's just And he's also stronger than shit. And he's stronger than shit. So strong. And he's got those like those looping punches that if they connect, I mean they're going to and they're fast. They would take someone like Hort, yeah, really fast. But they are looping, which is the, the I guess the knock against him. Yeah. Right? 
he he's a he is a top tier, top contender level talent. Yeah, Masvidal just he just isn't. He not was anymore. for a while, not anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know he I think he sold more tickets because of his fighting style and his persona outside of the ring. Uh, that he that he actually brought in. Now he's a very 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 good fighter, but when you put him up against the top five, and it's it's really not even close. Especially when you bring in like the grappling chops. Yeah, you, know, you saw his fight two fights with Kamaru Usman. Um, I'm trying to think who else. Co- Colby Covington. Colby Covington. Yeah, well that was a fun fight just yeah. because of the backstory. Well, and then and 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 think of what Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington did to Tyron Woodley. The same wrestling pressure held him down. Gilbert Burns did the exact same thing, mm-hmm. and, and Burns did it to Wonder Boy too, who's got great getups. Like Wonder Boy's whole game is about being on his feet, and so he's got really good takedown defense. And Gilbert Burns held him down the whole time. I just don't see, yeah. you know, as good as Jorge is, and he's got really good getups too. He's got really clean, intelligent striking. He changes his game just enough to like a properly address his opponent. Like he's, he's very smart. He's so practiced. He's got like 51 fights, you know, which is crazy. Well, that's one thing I wanted to bring up though, is he doesn't seem motivated like he used to be. Yeah. Like 2019. What are your thoughts? Yeah. what, What are your thoughts on that? I mean, when you saw him against Covington, he looked flat. When you saw him against Usman, he looked a little bit flat. Right, he gets taken down, and I don't know if it's, you know, I know he's got a good get-up game against you know mid-tier talent or even higher-level talent, but it seemed like he succumbed to those positions a little bit easy and gassed out really hard. I yeah, you know, to that point, if he wasn't motivated against Colby Covington after all of that drama and bolt, you know, and backstory and whatever, uh, he's not going to be motivated for Gilbert Burns. It, it could be motivation. It could be like lifestyle outside. It could be a myriad yeah. of things that go on. But he just hasn't really looked like the same fighter in the last uh, couple of years that we saw about four or five years ago. Now, maybe maybe it's age as well. But Gilbert Burns is going to run through Jorge Masvidal like a hot knife through butter. I'm pretty sure Burns is just going to hold him down and grapple the I mean, shit out of him. If you're taking if you're taking clean shots from in the likes of Kamzat, who's a really hard puncher, I, you know, and and being able to go all with all five rounds with him, mm-hmm. was it three three rounds, three rounds, three rounds with still him. though, yeah, still. Um, I don't think that Jorge Masvidal has got five years ago. I think it'd been a pretty decent fight. I think it's going to be pretty lopsided when the when the cage closes. Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't, I think Masvidal, I don't know if Burns will get the finish because Masvidal, you know, has so much like defensive savvy about him, even on the ground. Um, I think he'll be able to survive, but three rounds, I I don't think he's, Mm. yeah, I think he's going to lose by decision. I think it's going to go under, I think he's going to lose by submission or, or knockout. I think it's going to be, it's going to be a finish is what I think is going to happen. It's going to be interesting because I, I think – did Jorge say this is his last fight if he loses? It's, if he loses, he says, yeah. I what am, He said – I think he said something like, if I lose, what am I even doing here? Yeah. Like I don't belong well, here if I lose another one. That's not 
the thing I'd like to hear from someone I'm betting on. That's a good point. Yeah. And, and Gilbert Burns, I think he wants another shot at the title, especially with Usman out of the picture. Yeah. Oh, Um, Burns versus Edwards. I'd watch that. A Burns versus Covington. I'd watch. Yeah. I'd watch that one too. Burns versus anybody. Yeah. Sign me up. Burns versus. Yeah. Sign me up. Yeah. So I think we both agree. Minus 500. We're taking Gilbert Burns. And then the final fight, main fight for the belts. Israel Adesanya minus 140 and Alex Pereira is plus 120. Kick us off. The right answer is still Israel Adesanya. I I know that he's lost three times in a row, but Israel Adesanya is better. He's against a, Pereira. Huh? Against Pereira. Yeah, yeah, three times against uh, in a row against Pereira. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it, I, Israel is a better kickboxer, and, and he's a better MMA fighter. Um and apparently that just doesn't matter because Alex Pereira is the boogeyman and he's just going to stare unblinkingly for however long it takes until Israel goes unconscious and he's going to do it again. <laughs> I, I agree with you. Um, I think Israel Adesanya, I don't know why he doesn't have a, a more developed ground game at this point in time because he hasn't needed to use it. Mm-hmm. But his takedown defense is so good. You would expect that they're probably hammering that, um, you know, in his training camp. But, you know, there's something about, well, any anything in life, right? There's that one person that you lose to, you lose to again, mm-hmm. lose to again. And for some reason, there's a psychological disadvantage every time you enter the ring with them. Uh, and I saw that, you know, Israel, so I don't remember exactly how the fight went, but I, and the, the last fight, but I remember Israel almost pulling away on, you know, from a point standpoint. Uh, from a points oh, yeah. in rounds two, three, and four. And then it looked like he was not trying to win the fight in the fifth round. He was trying not to lose the fight. And he got a little bit skittish. And he started absorbing some of the shots. And, you know, you, you, you said it better than me because I think you just watched the fight again. But why don't you tell us your, your feelings on that last round and, and how do you think that's going to play out in this next fight? So it seems to me like... Uh, I I can't I did the, I tallied up the strikes like looked up uh, the striking stats from that fight and Izzy outstruck him two three and four they were even in the first uh, and then nine significant strikes for Israel and twenty eight for Pereira in the last round um, yeah he got a flurry yeah he got a bunch of those shots off but I think that's a habit with Pereira where he throws. Um, he's really efficient with his punches. Like he does a lot of like non-committal kicks and punches and things because he's got such heavy hands and and everything is so hard that he doesn't need to make the biggest use of it. Like even though he's an incredible power puncher, he's not relying on that. He's being really economical with his strikes. He kicks in a way that doesn't like pull him out of position. Um, mm-hmm. you know his little jabs little hooks everything that he can do like put hands on but like he's not swinging for the fences and because of that when the fifth round comes all of a sudden he's got a little bit of extra gas to burn and he can up his pace and just throw a little bit faster a little bit harder a little bit more and a little more aggressive yeah and for four rounds israel had to be perfect and then for the fifth round he had to be perfecter it's 
and yeah. so much pressure and damage and volume and uh, variety in that last round, and he doesn't have to keep he doesn't have to save anything anymore. So he really does just up his pace and start firing in that fifth round. And you know it started with that checked leg kick. Um, I don't know how much that hurt. I never heard anything else about it. I never heard anybody talk about um, when Israel threw a leg kick. Alex checked it. Israel took a back step, stumbled, did a little roll, and Alex chased him to the fence and was on him, and that was the beginning of the end. Um, I never heard how much that affected Izzy, but... Um, you could see glimpses of where I was going before that. Yeah, too. it's just like... Because he kept backing up. Mm-hmm. Alex up against the knew cage. that that was... Uh, like, he was just playing offense that whole time, and uh, yeah, that's a and really by the scary way, thing. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head, and I hadn't thought about it like that before. But you're right. Israel Adesanya has to be absolutely perfect in order to not get knocked out. And that's a lot to bank on in a five-round fight, championship fight, especially yeah. with their experience and their backstory and, and how many times they've gone against. So they're going to be able to solve those. I don't I mean, I would assume they solved most of those rules even before the last fight. You know, obviously, MMA being a little bit of a different beast, but... Mm-hmm. Here you've got a guy with Israel that that's not really able for whatever reason to dictate where the fight takes place. And so that tends to gear towards Pereira, right? Because he's always going to be in his comfort zone, Mm -hmm. which means he's not going to get gassed out, which means that he's going to be able to stow away that energy for the fifth round like you just talked about. And I could see it in in Israel's eyes, you know, start that fifth round. He was trying not to lose that fight. But he was really scared about what was coming down the pike. He kept getting backed up, backed up, backed up. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of psychological components in fighting. I, I really think there is. And, you know, I think he didn't want to get knocked out. And lo and behold, right? So what do you think Izzy should do? Should he fight? it? Like, was his game plan right last time? Do you, or should he, should he try something new? I, I think he needs to try something new. I think that he needs to... Uh, I think even if they're not real, mm-hmm. I think he needs to, to, you know, to change levels a couple of times, like he's going to take him down just to get that level of respect. Because if he does get him down, I don't know what his top grappling really looks like. Well, we don't he, see it very much. He, he got on top in the four, uh, in the third round uh, of their last fight and he controlled him for like four minutes. Like uh, okay. Alex went for a takedown, fucked it up. Izzy countered and Alex was not able to get back up. Izzy just held him there for the rest of the round and beat on him. So if, if there's more of that, but more proactive grappling mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from Adesanya, I, I think that there's a pretty big Delta. At least I assume there's a bigger Delta because of uh, Pereira's lack of experience in MMA, you know, being primarily a striker, mm-hmm. you know, let's be honest. These are all just placeholders until they take on a really good, <laughs> until they take on a really good grappler. Not, not Izzy, but with Pereira. Pereira. I yeah. For somebody takes on a really high level grappler, I think he's going to get knocked off. But if if Israel is not willing to do that or adapt his game plan for the the, the opponent, then I don't I don't I don't think it's going to work. I I would love and, and I don't to think see. It's going to. I would love to see Alex Pereira display like because his he trains um with Glover Teixeira like some old man jujitsu like really like gritty ugly heavy pressure 
old man jujitsu out of Alex Pereira and just hold Izzy down. It'd be, it would be cool to see. I don't know if you can get Izzy down yeah, maybe. very easily. But, uh, you know, on top of that, he's such a big dude. He's gas huge. expenditure, the gas expenditure for him to start doing takedowns. And so I think, anyway, that's that's my case in point. I don't know. I'm not uh, a guy that's designing fight camps or game plans or anything like that. But I can tell you him addressing Pereira the way that he's addressed every other fighter in the UFC and through his championship run isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. And he needs to do something to get some of that respect back because his, his punches don't seem to affect Pereira that much. Yeah. You know, Pereira's got a chin on him. Yeah. Well, so I know that Izzy can hit and I know he's big. Like Israel, I know like he gets called skinny, but he's pretty big. Um, He just doesn't cut a lot of weight, I think. he And he cracked him with that one. And I think he got a standing eight count. I haven't seen his first fight. Um, but I think he rocked yeah. him in the first fight, but it's, it's few and far between, but I, I wonder if there's a middle ground between like having to go, you know, full wrestler, full Derek Brunson, you know, and, and totally abandon your striking game. Or like if he just changes how he's building his, you know, stand up attack. Um, it's not, I don't know how relevant this is. Did you ever watch Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder 2? Both, yeah. Yeah. So in the first one, Fury was um, trying to box Wilder up from the outside. He's so big. He's so long. Um, and he was uh, and he was doing it. He was following his game plan. Um, but, you know, nobody's perfect. And when Wilder hit him... He did some serious damage in one round. And then in the 12th round, uh, just mm-hmm. cracked him with the uh, – he, he killed Tyson Fury. He put him he, – he hit him with a two-piece, and Tyson Fury was dead. He spoke to God. He came back up. It was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. It was the most rocky moment I've ever it was, seen. It was incredible. <laughs> that was a real-life rocky moment. But in the second fight, we th- I thought like, oh, okay – he danced around him the first time. This time he's just going to go in there. He's going to dance on him again. He's make sure he doesn't get hit with that punch. And what does Tyson Fury do? He puts on like 15 pounds and he big brothers him. Like even though mm-hmm. Deontay Wilder is this like super heavy handed knockout puncher, Tyson Fury just got in his face and like put both hands on his head and yanked him down and just wore him out and he hit him with body shots and he stayed in his grill and just made it a super ugly fight outside of Wilder's range or inside of his range rather and he knocked him out in like the 7th or something like that. So like I wonder did he bring Freddie Roach in for that anyway? Well, Freddie Roach is he's he's hanging out with uh oh no, I'm thinking of Teddy Atlas. Anyway, mm-hmm. I, is there something for like Israel like just staying in his face like you're saying he doesn't dictate where the fight takes place um and he's, he's, he's got to he at least has to show the give some respect like he's gonna dictate right but maybe and, and that's I'm, different than just going up and down and like on the floor or not maybe it's like can he dictate the range the fight takes place and if he's like forces like a yeah a tight exchange like does that benefit him like can he stay inside of that range or is like the the close range weapons of Pereira like those hooks those like tight knees the the super dangerous left hook is it too dangerous to stay in there I think he's gonna have to at least attempt even if they're half-hearted 
a couple takedowns mm-hmm. in the first two rounds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so every time that he feints a takedown, he gets Pereira to drop his hands. Yeah, uh, and and at least at least back up or at least crunch down. You know what 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 opportunity that opens up. You know I don't know for him. He's the only one that will know that, or his his, his training team. Mm-hmm. But that's what's going to have to take place for him to do it. And it just doesn't seem like he's willing to do that. And or at least he wasn't the last time. We might see a really big change in his game plan moving forward. But every mm-hmm. time I thought that he was going to do something like like I think when you and I talked about because we both picked Adesanya last time, we both assumed that he was going to work in some type of takedown, takedown feints, mm-hmm. uh, tap the knee, whatever it was going to be in order to get Pereira out of his game so his hands are already ready always ready to fire at him. Yeah. But he didn't he didn't do that. So it's gonna be interesting to see. I don't know. Man. He might just be the poison. Yeah, dude. I, you know, and and if you shoot for a takedown and uh and Pereira sprawls, like I I can't think of a worse place to be than under Alex Pereira like when you have nowhere to kidney, go and he could just tee off kidneys. on you. <laughs> oh. kidneys. Yeah. Yeah, that would suck. But you know, I, I think Izzy's a little bit faster. Yeah, at least he seems. You know, it seems like yeah. So hopefully that wouldn't be the case. I, again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it has to be different. Uh, so we'll see. I guess we'll just uh, we'll see on this one. I'm taking Pereira because I got to see something from Izzy that I, shows to me that he's going to be able to adapt. And yeah, I mean, it's happened three times. I have to pick Pereira. I you know, and I, I Israel's so good and he's better. But man, I don't know if that matters. So I, I had a little, um, little speculative question for after the fight for you. Say, okay. you know, Izzy wins and Pereira's out, or Pereira wins and Izzy's out. Do any of them change weight? Like, mm. could could Israel? Because Izzy, he already said something about I fight at two o five, and honestly. Izzy could probably piece up most 205ers. 205 is probably the weakest division. The the, the one right problem with Israel saying, oh, I fight 205, I'll piece any of them up, is Alex Pereira is just going to go up to 205 and beat him there too. <laughs> like, you, like, yeah. like Alex. Well, Bull- we've also seen to him play uh, when he fought uh, Jan Blahovich. Yeah. So I don't even know if we have to really have that conversation. I think the bigger question is, if Pereira wins this fight, I don't know how long he wants to stay in the UFC. I mean, he got to this place pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, does he go up to 205 and try and capitalize on the two belts immediately after this to get that double champ status that everyone seems to be going after nowadays? I think um, that's smart only because he doesn't beat anybody else at middleweight. It's like a really good excuse too. Yeah, like uh, well, you know he, what? I'm he, I'm done. I'm done with 185. I'm going up to fight yeah. the big boys and like just leaving Robert Whitaker in the dust. Who you know doesn't matter your hype train if you're Kamzat, if you're Alex Pereira. I think Whitaker <laughs> beats them both. I I wait beats who? But like this, and then there's already a story. Adesanya? I don't know. Uh, huh? there's a story. Adesanya? Whitaker does. I you know. No, that's what you said. He beats them both. Oh, oh, he beats uh, Kamzat and uh, oh, gotcha, Pereira. Gotcha. gotcha. I, my heart wants to believe he beats Izzy in a third, but I don't know. Um, after the Glover Teixeira Jamal Hill fight at UFC 283, 
um, I saw a clip on TikTok recently, uh, and it was, you know, Jamal celebrating with his team and he runs over and he shakes Glover's hand and he goes over to Glover's head coach and he shakes his hand and then he turns and Alex Pereira walks into frame and he just stares at him and they don't touch each other and Alex is like just mean mugging him the same way he does Izzy (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like he's just gonna go up and he's gonna fight Jamal Hill and take the 205 belt so they they got they got a good storyline. So I bet you that if he because of that backstory, just like we saw with uh, uh, Rosas Junior, mm-hmm. right, that he would jump most of the line. He might get one decent level contender and then get put right in against uh, Jamal Hill. Yeah, have him and fight that, like that would be interesting. So I think that's what's going to happen. I think okay, we want to talk like full board here. Yeah. All right. I think that. Pereira's going to win. Pereira's going to go up to 205 to settle the score. And arguably, like, the only storyline I can imagine making 205 interesting at this point is that storyline in the background. Mm-hmm. Boy, we are falling for this WWE shit. And then I think... <laughs> there might be something to it. Oh, there's something to it for sure. And then I think that uh, negotiations might fall through. And I think Kamzat will end up taking on interim title fight against Izzy. For the one seventy pound, oh, yeah, maybe not. No, maybe not against Izzy. One eighty five. Sorry, excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll go up from one seventy to one eighty five. Danny gave Rob Font. I get you. Yeah, <laughs> I've made a lot of mistakes tonight. That's okay though. <laughs> no, I I made it too. And then and then Yuri Prohaska comes back, and and then somehow you get Yuri Prohaska versus Alex Pereira at light heavyweight at UFC. Let's call it three hundred. Yeah. Gimme, gimme, yeah, gimme. Are you kidding me? And the return of Dan Ige takes on a 205 or just to settle the score. Holy cow. Anything. Yeah, Dan Ige yeah. and Rob Font in a trench coat <laughs> fight it way yeah. heavyweight. That'd be fucking <laughs> I think we I think we've nailed it. But don't you think don't you think like that storyline? Yeah, I I'm hooked be, already. Would be talk about like two mega fights. You you could actually sell out two cards just on those two fights alone. Man. Okay, yeah. Now I want. Let's hope it happens. I now I have to have Pereira win because there's so much but, to do. But if Izzy, or excuse me, if Pereira wins, goes to two five, and I know this is a long diatribe. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. Um, and Kamzat goes to one eighty five. Mm-hmm. Who does he fight? Because you're not going to be able to keep Izzy in there for a third title fight. You know, after losing the other two against Pereira. So who does he fight? Uh, who do you think the most interesting matchup is there? He said he doesn't want to fight Whitaker because Whitaker's a good guy. Um, so he'll probably fight. I mean, honestly, that's have how, him that's fight. How like ninety percent of people get out of street fights. <laughs> uh, have him fight. fight. He's a uh, great guy. Who who just fought at the last card? Uh, not Roman Delete. Yeah, Roman Delize. The kid hmm, for the title. Oh no! Have that be his like first like his next fight, and then. Have him fight, yeah, uh, Vittori. I don't know. It's got to be Whitaker. Mm. I mean, who else is if, if Adesanya's not in it? Whitaker's fighting for the title. So, yeah, I don't know if there's enough backstory for that one though. I don't know. What a mess! Find it, out. What a mess! And they wait. They need the. They need the Undertaker. Something. Yeah, there you go. Uh huh. You Soon know, to emerge. <laughs> it's gonna be the Comsat's gonna walk out, and and then. Everyone thinks, oh, Rob, it's Rob Whitaker's gonna he gonna come out. And it's gonna be an incredible fight, and then all of a sudden the glass breaks and it's Stone Cold's music, and he comes marching <laughs> <Yeah>. down. <laughs> that'd be so. That'd be 
I mean, that see, that's we're getting into. We fell for it. We fell for it. All right. Well, hey, um, great insights. Thanks again for for coming on. Um, you know, everyone that anyone and everyone that listened, appreciate you taking the time to listen to the pod. Hope you got a lot of it. So next big UFC event. Do you know when it is? Uh, it is in May. In May. Mm-hmm. Is that is that uh, uh, Cejudo? Yeah, Sterling and Cejudo, and I think it's Benil Dariush and Charles Oliveira in the co-main. Mm. So that'll be a lot of fun. That uh, the main car is going to be an interesting fight. Mm-hmm. I guess both of them are, but uh, yeah, lots C4 of, there's lots of, on the line. Uh, hey, the if line. everybody is waiting uh, for UFC 288 and you want a good card to hold you over until then, keep your eyes peeled. I don't know when it's going to be released for Fight Circus 6 uh, to come out on YouTube. Look at Full what? Metal Dojo, uh, their YouTube channel. The main event in of the last fight it was on april 1st was um ramsap bob creed or something like that it was um it was siamese boxing was the main event uh it was <laughs> yes it was rampage jackson uh and bob sap and they were in a big t-shirt together and rampage was the right arm and bob sap was the left <laughs> arm and they boxed they boxed um, the owner of Fight Circus, and and I don't know who his buddy was, but that um, his name was Sloppy Balboa versus uh, uh, Rampolo Sap Creed. I think was his name. Uh, it oh was it's so much fun, dude. Sign me up. Yeah, uh, Fight Circus. If you want to have a great time on a on a Saturday afternoon, there's no UFC event. Uh, go to YouTube. Look up Fight Circus. Oh, yeah. Watch some of their old I'm cards. It's just garbage. It it's so much fun. Oh, that's right, my alley. Tune All in. All right. Well, we yeah, got tune in on that. Thank you again, and everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy the fights, and we will see you again for UFC 288. We're in out.